I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. If anyone knows about embracing the calm in the chaos, it's got to be Stacey Eagle. She has been in the retail space as the designer behind the clothing line Boy Meets Girl for the past 20 years. She was in the social impact world before that was even a thing. She was designing athleisure before that was even a thing. And now Stacy is taking all of the things that she's learned about perseverance and connection and collaboration, and she's put it together into a book called Embracing the Calm and the Chaos. And I really learned a lot from my interview with her, I think, about partnership, about weathering the storms and having longevity in business. And she's great. I hope you enjoy. And anyone who's thinking about getting into or has experience in retail merchandising, this one's for you. Stacey Eagle, Embracing the Calm in the Chaos is the name of your new book and also something that I feel like is an inspiration for everyday life, not only in reading a book, but also just that it often feels like what business, parenthood, partnership, friendship, everything can feel really chaotic. So how how yeah. do you do, how do you do this? Tell us what to do to embrace oh, the calm cuz where is the calm? Right. So the book is about building something from scratch. It's about building my brand, Boy Meets Girl from the ground up. Chicago girl comes to New York City, no family in the business, contacts and the journey. And so it takes you through the journey with business insight from 30 other people in my book who are musicians, actors, heads of companies, Saks, Target, who put me on the map, align with me or have the same journey or have words of wisdom that apply to each chapter that is within my world. So in building a company from the ground up and the trials and tribulations that you have along the way, there is a lot of chaos. And whether that's setting up your systems or juggling your family and being this entrepreneur and trying to be there for your friends or whatever the case is on that growth path building a company, I had to find and finding partners and, and money to invest in the company. I had to find strength. And a lot of times that chaos that comes on the way fueled me to keep moving. So whether that's failure, whether that's a bad partner, whether that is something really great, but you know, there's these steps along the way that you have to keep moving if you want it that badly, if you believe in what you're building. And, you know, along my path, you know, the first thing that happened was I launched the week of nine, I was supposed to launch the week of 9-11. So we were in New York City. We are faced with a terrorist attack. And for me to go into fashion and be in business at that time didn't make any sense to me when we were dealing with what was around us, whether we had friends we lost in 9-11 or we had friends of friends, or we were just at a state of, you know, I was 24, 23, 24. What is this? And how do we move forward? And I just left my 401k job at IZOD and 
I decided that that first trade show I was supposed to have that first week, you know, was pushed out a month, obviously later, but I decided that I would go forward. And through a chaotic and scary situation, I said, okay, I'm going to take this step forward because this is what I love to do. But this particular collection will be donated to the American Red Cross and victims of 9-11 and their families, because that will be what I set out to do in my career now that I'm going to actually go into fashion during this time. And so through that, I moved forward, had my first trade show a month later. My first store was Bergdorf Goodman and I was put on the map. So karma, right? It's crazy. So, you know, in instances like this, it's like we've all been faced with challenges and there's different ways to cope with that. And my coping was journaling, was having this outlet of friends to talk to all those people who are in my book, who are in the same situation, whether it's the beginning of a career of hustling at, you know, tables to make money while you're building your acting career and now being like a very famous actor, Ike Barinholtz, which is my best friend. You know, we were always along this journey together to discuss like the highs and lows. But luckily I had those friendships. Not everybody does, you know, a mentor. But I always fueled like the negativity with some kind of, you know, my cup is half full versus empty to keep me going. Well, the second line of the book is how to find success in business and life through perseverance, connection, and collaboration. So clearly those are the three tent poles of your life and have kept you going because you have a business that has persevered for 20 years in an industry that's merciless. Yes, that's right. And <laughs> said to, it just right. <laughs> and to have done that, you really need to have perseverance. So like how do you keep it going? I know we've been doing the second shift now. It's we're going on eight years ish. It's like I look at the 10 year mark and I'm like, I cannot believe that it's been that long. And there wow. are definitely chapters where it's really hard to have the perseverance and the passion to keep you going. So how have you done this for 20 years in this industry that is like, you know, a graveyard? Yeah. (laughs) A graveyard for small brands. (laughs) Yes, that's right. I have been really fortunate to have met movers and shakers and thought leaders that are shaking up the business and have been able to work with them. So whether that's activists that I work with on the ground floor from youth over guns, gathering for justice, youth in power, Young Survival Coalition for Breast Cancer, Human Rights. I did an Immigrants or Us campaign with the Human Rights Watch. So working with people who are doing things to make change and lead throughout a really hard business makes me feel like I'm doing a great job. And so I bring a lot of people's voices through my brand and touch people to learn about causes and issues that they might have not ever known about or cared about. And so I have a lot of people who come to me and say, oh, I learned this issue or this nonprofit through what you were doing with that activist. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I've also been able to work with amazing women in the business when I've always had male partners and always been in a room with all men, but women who've come into my life who have 
been leaders who saw what I was doing and believed in me. So Kathy Savitt, who at the time was the founder of Lockers, who then became the CMO of Yahoo, who now is moved on to be the CMO of a, I think, oh my God, I forgot the name. It's a new plane that's going to be the fastest plane to Europe. So she's just like this powerhouse woman who saw me years ago, we collaborated with a company called Lockers that she had where she licensed my brand, put it on the map in a gaming kind of style site where she, you would watch videos, earn points, buy product. We did a great fashion week show together with Black Left John in 2012. So I was able to, through a lot of really hard struggling work, finding manufacturing, finding partners, you know, bad partners, good partners, department stores that you ship late and then they, you know, say no to you a hundred specialty stores across the country. You might ship late too, but then you can like, you know, all these struggles along the way, which is in my book and people who steal and, you know, sales reps who like think they can knock off your line when they worked for you, just all this stuff and crap. But through that, I've met all these instrumental leaders in the business who inspire me and who work with me and we're able to mix up the business, shake up the business and do things a little bit differently that fuel me to keep going and love what I do every day. And I think a lot of what the work I've done over these 20 years have been seen, you know, in the past like few years from top leaders of, oh, she's really actually been doing this in this nonprofit space, in this activist space. So they're coming to me to bring that work to them as well, or like whether it's doing a home collection with Target that we give back to the National School Climate Center anti-bullying causes. Like there's all these things that I'm I'm able to now bring to the forefront that everyone's sort of hopping onto is thinking is a trend, but it's been been done since 2001. I was going to say, you've been ahead of the curve on a lot of trends that you're seeing now come to light. Like it's an impact brand. Yeah. Impact brand was not a thing that people discussed until, you know, the last few years and you've been doing this for years. And so is there a sense of gratification of seeing that what you've been working on has paid off not only for you, but like, your model and the way that you've thought about how you build a business has really become the model for all business now. Yeah, I definitely think that along the way, people would be like, why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. Or why are you working with those people? Or, you know, I'd have a lot of no's. And now I was discovered by, it's a direct retailer business that I have in Finland with the biggest store in Finland called Prisma. And in 2017, they discovered me as a female-owned brand that was doing impact, that had unisex line that could bring cause to the forefront. And I was the first brand in their store to bring an anti-bullying message and a pride message. And so that was 2017. I was like, wow, I'm making like headway. Like an American brand has been licensed by this big retailer. It was like a Target deal for me, very big. And, you know, Target Massimo back in the day. So for me, Prisma, Boy Meets Girl in Finland, which is very bizarre of all places. But I led a million people for the Pride March in Finland. It was all Boy Meets Girl, Boy Meets Boy, Girl Meets Girl, all balloons down this march. 
And so that was very instrumental. It was the same year that Virgil Abloh became, you know, the first black designer at the helm of Louis Vuitton and his runway show. I got to go to it and was all in pride colors. And I was, I had just gone to my launch in Prisma. And so it was just, you know, feeling that I was making change, you know, and, and I look at to him also because he's a very instrumental or may rest in peace designer in the space that made so much change for the community. And so it's taken a long time, you know, 2001 to 2017 to really have people see it. And I think it was also the Human Rights Watch came to me to do this project. And I've been working with so many leaders and nonprofit space and bringing causes to the forefront that really mattered to me and the youth culture that I work with. But yeah, I feel, I think over COVID, I had a moment of, see, I've never paused. <laughs> I know, I know the second shift is about sort of changing, but I, I think my, my change is maybe the book, but everyone came to me. I thought during COVID, I'm like, okay, this is like the end of like my brand and I can go do other things. I wanted to keep the brand going. I wanted to keep, you know, the employees, you know, paid and I did. But at the first week, I was asked by a hospital in Michigan to get PPE. And I had factories who had turned all over the world to have those resources. And so by a click of an email, I was able to connect them. It wasn't making profit from that. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for Boy Meets Girl, but it was to help people. And I actually had the resources like the resources that I had worked so hard for my whole career to find those factories and actually have them all around the world now. My partner is number seven worldwide in sourcing. Like, and it took me a long time to find that partner. And so I felt like, okay, if that was what I was supposed to do, then I've done what I have to do. And then after that, literally a week later, Diana Barrett, who was the first woman to get COVID in her town, reached out to me to work with her to get masks to her community to give money back to her organization that she was just forming a 5013C. And so all of a sudden I had this one other factory who could make these masks and I donated a lot of money back to Glam for Good and her organization, Survivor Corps. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm in business still. You know, like as we're all like, I have tons of friends who, you know, unfortunately had to stop. And then throughout that COVID, I worked with a, a designer from Lebanon for Beirut. She's out of Brooklyn, Maria Dow. And then I worked with the boys, uh, Finnegan and Maxwell called, oh my God, Welligan, which that's a boy, the white boy and the black boy hugging together went viral. They asked me to do a collection for them to raise money for an organization during Black Lives Matter time, during the whole George Floyd time. So I was just approached in so many different ways that had to do with what I do during that time. So I'm like, oh, this is really, it is who I, who I am as a brand. And I just felt like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the book because you sat there and you wrote this book, which, you know, talk about adding to the chaos. You have a young child and this business that you've, heavily invested in and is is a heavy load to keep it going. And then you decided to sit down and write a book. Um, 
That's right. Because because I like that around? add That's... the chaos to the calm. Well, you've had a blog for a long time, so yes. writing isn't something yes. that like was so different for you. No, no. I've been, you know, I started the blog in two thousand and eight. I think it was really have paved the way in the digital media space, you know, speaking about humanizing the brand in the social media space in 2010 with Damon John and a lot of other figures at, um, I forgot the name of the, it's in my book, but I forgot the name of the conference, um, but Fashion 140. So I've been writing, I've been sharing, I've been pre-social media. We had our Facebook friend pages you know, and then we had our fan pages and adapting to the digital space I've been doing throughout my whole career because all of a sudden this is all happening. So the book, I I get it. I've been speaking for colleges across the country. I do a lot of speaking engagements prior to COVID and I had formed Boy Meets Girl University where students from all different colleges come to our offices to learn about the business. I work with the Lower East Side Girls Club to do similar work there. So I was being approached also during COVID to consult for young designers or, you know, give expertise and talk to them and then other schools. And then I'm like, you know what? I've been journaling for 20 years about my business. I think it's time to do this. And Emily Liebert, who is my ghostwriter, I met seven years ago and wanted to write the book. And when I met her, this is again, when I share this story, I like to say it's not everybody's story, but it's something I wanted to do and, and the way she works. So she was like, you need an agent and you have to write the proposal and then we can go out and sell the book. So, you know, you can see on TikTok now you don't need an agent. You can publish a book you know, self-published, you don't have to go through these things. But for myself, after building something for 20 years, I'm like, I definitely want that agent. And I definitely want that great publisher. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I want it all. I want the best. So I guess, so I reached out to Emily seven years to like that date on email. And I was like, I'm ready to write my book now. And she said, you need an agent and we'll write, we'll write the proposal and then you'll sell it. And so I'm like, okay. I was like, I've worked 30 people are in my book, industry leaders. I do not know this space. Like, I don't know literary agents. I'm like, can you help me? And I never asked for help. You'll see this in my book. I, I don't really, and now I do. Like, I'm like, can you sell my book? Um, so she introduced me or she was going to introduce me to her agent, her agent. Um, it wasn't her genre. And she said, I think I have this agent for you who would really be like, who I think will resonate with what you've done who is my agent, Kristen Newhouse. And um, she was looking for an impact brand, woman-led, you know, woman-founded, who had a heritage brand. And it was like right time, right place. That's amazing. It's amazing. And so then I took all of my journal entries, like all my writings, my Evernotes, my memo pads, my notebooks, my wherever I've been scrappy writing everything, put it all together. I had the story. Like I knew what, what I want to do, but really... It's for an entrepreneur. It's for someone who's five years into it. It's someone who's starting, who's in college, maybe someone who's wanting to change a job, maybe a top level CEO at a company. And there's takeaways from this story and my journey that apply to many pieces of entrepreneurship. I was ready. It's like, you know, sometimes people talk about like doing memoirs, business books, maybe like 
when they're 80, 70, and it's a little early, but I just felt like this could really impact different entrepreneurs at different stages. There's a lot of moms who come to me who are left the workforce for 10 years who want to get back into it. It's so much easier now than it was back then. What is the advice you give? Because I also get a lot of, we, our whole community are moms who, not moms, but, you know, a large majority are women who are parents at different phases or taking care of their own parents. And they are either looking to like transition between careers or to come back into the workplace or to exit and try something new. And what is your advice? Well, I'm very vulnerable in my book saying that building something, you have to really want it. Like you have to have the passion for it. You have to set out your five structures of like, who's this going to impact? Who who am I going to sell this to? Why am I going to sell this? Is it different than what is in the marketplace? Test it on a hundred people um, or, you know, email a hundred people to find out would this resonate, whatever type of product, if it's a flower, if it's a book, if it's a notebook, if it's a pillow, whatever category. And then the, my main thing is, is like, you're going to have to work hard. You know, the thing is, is that what's much easier than when I started is the platforms we have today. So whether you want to set up a shop on Shopify or Squarespace, and then you have all digital media to connect that to LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. So it's much, I believe, easier, but with anything, you still have to work hard. So I say this, and I think everybody in the book shares that insight. And those are the things like really analyzing how will it change? Do I want to make an impact and do give back or not? How is it different than the things around me? Will it resonate? Will I work hard? And do I really want this? You know, cause you can, I think part of my book is that I'm not Steve Jobs. I'm not Phil Knight, all these great leaders that I've read their books and they like make me want to do more. Right. And you can give back, you can be there for your family and you can also be profitable, but you have to understand how to do that. And what it's going to cost. And what it's going to cost. And I, and I like to look at it like someone interviewed me recently. I, I look at it like I had mentored 20 women who are starting a biz, different businesses. And I said, let's look at this at a six months plan, not a year, not a five year, but let's look at it even quarterly. And what are your goals in the beginning? Like we all, if you're starting a fashion brand, you want to sell to all these different stores, but maybe one store actually picks up your line. Okay. So from there, what are we going to do with that? And look at it in increments because there's a lot to do. And there's many ways you can go with your brands or your product, taking those sort of quarterly six month looks at the plan and then seeing that you can make money. Right. Because a lot of people ask me, how can I give back if I'm not making money? I'm like, well, you can give back a hundred dollars this year. If you don't have a million dollars to give this year, that's okay. If you don't have a thousand dollars, at least if you give a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, look at it quarterly, see what you can take from your bottom line. So it's everything is really looking at it. I, I think we see on TikTok, like, you know, something can be sold and it doesn't, it's like nothing. 
It's just how you present it, how you put it out there in the space. And you have these platforms to do it now that I did not have. I get to go back in time because of my book to share those stories, which is really cool. I'm sort of doing the reverse, you know, where people are like, oh my God, I love your brand. Where can I get it now? You know, like, whereas I didn't have that then. But it's kind of cool. You get to be rediscovered by a totally different audience because you are still catering to a very specific audience who are probably now more than ever interested in your brand. You do a lot of athleisure, which is now all people wear. So you get to have like a next chapter of your company. I'm always reinventing myself. (laughs) That's right. I mean, that's how you keep up in what you said, the uh, the crazy part of our business, <laughs> yeah, the dying business. But every <laughs> business is like that. You know, I think about the second shift and we, like I said, we've been doing this for 10 years and we just launched this podcast less than a year ago. And we thought about doing it over the years, but we were focused in different areas and it was a different time. And it was, it just, starting it now has reinvigorated the brand and the company and refocus it in a different way. And so a lot of times it's just rethinking who you are and constantly adapting to what the new latest situation is in, in culture or in technology or in business, and then figuring out where you stay with it. And that's how you create longevity. That's right. And also being, you know, I've been authentic the whole way, right? It's really, and then that word can be cliche or whatever people say, but it's true. It's like, this is what I've said I would do. And I've stuck with it. And these are the relationships and the people that I know and I work with and have collaborated with. And you Google me and it's like, it's there. And, And the thing today, and I say this a lot, is that whether it's Gen Z, millennials, alpha, you know, they are really crafty and they know, they look and they see and and young moms and young dads, like the devices is at their hand. They can search you up in one second. So the things that you do when you're building have to be really thought out and true to who you are of what you're, whatever you're building. And I think to your point, it's like, you've had this community and now you get to bring stories to them through a podcast. And this is really true to what you love to do. But you also create it with passion and purpose because if you, your brand has a purpose too, it's not like I'm making this thing that's disposable. There is a purpose and a viewpoint behind it. Right. I do think that if you really feel the purpose and like you said, and it's authentic to you as the founder and what the brand is, and that is aligned, then that will resonate and will stick. It's when you're just doing something to do it and people can sense that it's just a throwaway. And and also it gets old. That gets old. If there's no purpose, that just gets old. There's no reason behind it. And it won't have that longevity that we were talking about. I agree. I had, I do these 30 minute once a month calls, free calls, because I get, I'm sure just like you, a lot of people who come and want advice. And so I've dedicated myself or I do these 30 minute calls. And I had a call recently and it's a young mom who has moved from a nice job to having a baby to wanting to start something. 
And she asked me, you know, smart questions, but also questions that, you know, wanting to start a brand, asking me how you get press. (laughs) It was like, well, let's go backwards. What is your story? Why are you doing this? Because you're not going to get press if it's just like to sell whatever you've decided you're going to sell. Like you're already thinking about the press. You're already thinking about things that don't happen overnight and won't come because the press is not going to cover something that isn't thought out, especially now it's, it's so crowded. There's so many great brands. There's it's so many great stories. There's so many people to discover. So if you're going to just start something and you're already thinking about how I'm going to get press, don't do it. Also press doesn't even matter anymore. (laughs) She's thinking about it wrong. She's thinking about like, that seems like very ego driven. Like what does press even mean? I said, scratch that and come back to why are you doing this? Because you could have a great story and I already know you do, but think about it. Like, what is that story? So that's another thing to anyone who's listening is just writing that down, spending time on it. You know, and again, not everybody has to be a give back brand. We've seen that in the past three years, you know, everyone's scrambling to do it. And, you know, that's something that I have been doing for 20 years. So if you're not, are you sharing stories about people? Are you, you know, so think about really what you want to set out and do, but do it with purpose (laughs) because don't do it just to get your ego and your press. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I think a lot of people when they're searching for a new thing to do because they feel there's so much like identity that's and self-confidence and that that's caught up in your job. And then yeah. you have kids, you kind of like lose it a little and it gets confusing and muddled and then, or, or you, you want to find a passion and it's really fun to start something. It is. It is. Starting something is great. It's so it's fun. Best. It's all ideas and creativity and and the like hope of what this thing is going to be. And then like two years in (laughs) and still doing it and it's a slog and it's not fun anymore. That's when the reality sets in. So if it's not something that's authentic or passionate or something that you, you, two years in, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be very hard to keep it motivated and going. I have a chapter in my book. I think it's chapter one or two where I, I, I talk about exactly what you're saying. And it's, you know, my first trade show that one I mentioned in the very beginning, that was a month later, was my first designs, like my first like collection designs. I had designed and I think you actually, maybe I met you back in the day, but where I I had like my little Altier in my home and I was making shirts for people. But anyway, I sold them to friends and friends and friends before I started my line. But that particular collection was like my flowy hippie sack fitted shirts and my boy meets girl athleisure and my Americana ribbon shirts and my cinch shirts. And it was like my design brain out, like in so many ways. Right. And then you're like, oh shit, I'm in business, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, this particular collection was obviously donated to the American Red Cross from victims of 9-11 and their families. But but then you're like, oh, you know, people like that, people like that. But then you have to zone in and really realize like, oh, we're doing this. And what is this going to take? 
And how am I going to continue to do this? And so, but that beginning, oh, you know, the beginning of the ideation is so amazing. And I, I, I love ideas. Like, I think the ideas keep me moving while building my business, but it really is. And then you're like, oh, no, no, no. But now I've got a business. I give you a lot of credit because I went through like a phase where I thought it would be a great idea to have clothing line. And I had a, I was in sort of not in between jobs, but it was like a, a slow season. And this is before I had kids. So I didn't realize how nice it is to have a slow season. <laughs> and, and I was, I had remade something for myself as like, because it was something I wanted. And I somehow mistook that as like, I had fun doing this one thing. This could be a company. And I started to do it. And I, and again, it was really fun at the beginning and it was like super cool. And then the like reality of what that meant to be in the profession of like retail and clothing manufacturing and all of it. It was a nightmare. I hated it so much. It was totally, <laughs> it was awful. And I had no partner. So it was just me. And I was like, yeah, okay, I we'll, understand. We'll wrap this party up. We're not doing <laughs> yeah. this anymore. This was a hobby, not a not a business. And yeah. there's a difference between a hobby and a business as well. And that's, that's something right. you have to be real clear on. Very clear. I had no partner until 2007, so 2001 to 2007, hamster roll, like crazy, nonstop, manufacturing madness, like delays this, every major retail store across the country, no partner. Like hiring, firing, bringing in a staff into my home before I got the office in the garment center, like all those things. But like you said, you just have to really want it and like believe in it. And for me, it was always something I wanted to do. I'd also worked for Ellie Tahari and Zandra Rhodes in London. And as I got to see behind the scenes of the madness and work really hard for the, for all those designers. But when it's your own, it's a whole other beast. But you now have a partner and I know you've talked about yes. partnership. That, that is my... Yeah. My, one of my chapters is finding the right partners. And so yes. hard. People ask me all the time, how do you find a partner? Cause I've been so lucky in that I have Gina from the beginning and we have a third partner right. camp and it's just, it works and it's worked for us. And I don't know how you make that magic happen. I don't know if it can be forced. I think, yeah, no, I've had, I think four partners on my journey where I've uh, licensed sold, bought back, sold, bought back. Um, now my partner Munir, who's been my partner since 2015, we just really align in our goals and we, we license the brand globally, international goals, you know, again, a number seven or six worldwide in sourcing. Mm -hmm. um, so I have this something that I was looking for for so long to find product and categories and manufacture anything I could. So, you know, that's been really, we, we just align on what we wanted for the brand since we had met and we had known each other in the business prior. That is a very hard piece to the business. And I have, I have interviews in my book with people who found it right away, like you said. And who really align with their partners and they they have different goals that they do for the business and others who had really awful partnerships and learned along the way. So I have had 
interesting partnerships along the way that I like to say the ones before were instrumental in my growth and learning. But each time I would change, I knew I needed to get to another place. And Munir, who's my partner now, is really aligned with our goals. And, and since we've been partners, I've licensed the brand globally. I, you know, have launched in many product classifications. I he believes in my vision where we are in web three. I have a partnership with Roblox and a company called Blueberry. So he sees whatever I creatively think of for the brand to take it to another level. He's really behind it. And he's really there as a, a sounding board. And then also in the manufacturing piece when I you know need that piece of it. So it's been a definite right partner for me in this phase, but along the way, it's been very tricky and, you know, and hard. What advice do you give people looking for a partner? I would sit down with them, you know, over a month or two, like to really learn about them because this is going to be someone you're in. It's like a a relationship. And if you're in, let's say my business, you know, make sure that the person isn't doing exactly what you do. So Mm. financing, manufacturing might be their strengths. Your strength might be creative and ideation and collaboration. If you guys are doing the same thing to me, I feel that you're stepping on each other's toes. I, I like to, like Munir likes to say, like, he has a lot of other businesses and all of his partners, he lets do their thing. And I, for me, I have to do my thing. And then of course we come back to look at the PL and go over all those things. And then that may say, Oh, let's take this one away. But um, yeah, I think that you have to have the same values. Like I, I understand that like some partners might have a different value politically, but like, I think if you're really going to run a business with someone, you have to believe in the same goals in life. And I think that's really important, at least for me. I think you have to like each other. You have to like each other. Because you're going to hate each other at points. So you have to start from a place where you like each other. Yeah. Um, So that's where you're coming back to. Like a marriage. I I was just going to say, it's like a marriage. There's some days you just got to take that walk outside and take a breath and know you're going to come back and you like them for a reason. (laughs) and that that it will be okay but yeah partnering with anyone is not easy especially when running a business okay last question I like to wrap it up on and you've given us like a lot of insight into all the ways you work but our tagline is make work work for you so how do you make work work for you So I make work for me currently, I think since the pandemic, I'm present for my son in taking him to school and going to school functions that I don't believe I was able to do as much before. And that's really, really important to me to be present for my child, Dylan. And I have made self-care much more important to me than it was over the past 18 years. Because I I put business, I think, way before me. So I've made sure to incorporate walks in the park or workouts at top of my morning, at least three days a week, which I was not doing, to give myself a sense of um, me time. 
I think we talk about self-care a lot more now than we have in the past. And I think that's key. And then to continue to work with people who are making change and who are creating new outlooks on our business. So I work a lot with women in Web3 and artists and musicians, and I always want to be inspired. And if I'm not inspired, I don't know if I can keep doing what I do. That sounds like good advice and good for anyone in any business that they're in or creative pursuit. Thank you so much, Stacey. This was awesome. Congratulations on this book. I mean, it's a real testament to your work ethic that you were able to do this. I can't imagine writing a book. Yeah. Well, you you never say never. (laughs) Never, but oh my God, that's a lot of work. It does. It does. This has been three years in the making. Pub date is March 7th. My first event will be March 11th at a New York retailer, a big one. I don't know when this podcast comes out, so I can let you know. Let us know. This comes out, will come out middle of February. So uh, you'll let us know and we can spread the word. Yes, yes. yes. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.